Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of SG Explain. Hello. Uh, this is Rovak here. And this is Willie. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yes. Tonight, we have a very interesting topic. And of course, it's quite, I think, this was quite on point with the current sentiments of uh, today. The date is uh, 11th of March, 2019. And uh, we have some interesting uh, situations going on in uh, happening Singapore. around Singapore right now. Yeah. I mean, and we're I think- not one to necessarily shy away from controversial topics, but I personally thought that this was a very sensitive topic that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. as always in Singapore, we are told to navigate with some kind of uh, precaution. And, right. And uh, amongst uh, other things as well, I think, <laughs> yes. but this is one aspect of something that I think it's very well guarded as well as uh, uh, almost very sacred for us to discuss as well. Yeah. And today's topic is, of course, about religion in Singapore and the, uh, I would say the laws around religion. Yeah. I mean, if, if you know anything about Singapore, the mantra is that, you know, we're multiracial, multicultural, but especially multi-religious. Mm. Uh, and what does it mean to be multi-religious? And, and, and especially, you know, if you've been listening to the past few episodes, mm-hmm. a very unique country where it's super dense, mm. super, uh, interconnected. There are so many different kinds of people. Uh, and so religion becomes a very uh, tricky issue mm-hmm. because, you know, you want to have everyone uh, be able to practice their faith and be able to practice yeah, of course. Uh, their own personal sense of self. But at the same time, you don't, you want to make sure that, that you, you allow people to coexist and to interact. Of course, of course, definitely. And of course, today our topic is about the maintenance of Religious Harmony Act in Singapore. Right. Got pretty much a mouthful, right? <laughs> I think even in, in Singapore, it's, it's quite known that uh, every single uh, thing that Singapore, uh, Singapore government puts is they actually put it into an acronym. Right. So the Maintenance of Religious Harmony Act, also known as MRHA. Yep. Uh, well, that, That's is, not really a very good acronym. Though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of kind of tough to to navigate uh, along the tongue. To M-R-H-A. be, to be fair, this acronym came out pretty long ago, right? This is a 1990 uh, act, if I'm not wrong. Uh, I think uh, about that period. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely, it was uh, approved in the 1990s. Right. And of course, uh, it was enforced in the 1990s. Yeah. Uh, and created in the late 80s. Right. Yeah. But of course, today, what, what exactly is this situation that's happening uh, in this date right now, which is 11 of March, is of course, uh, over the weekend, we had one of uh, a black metal band, a Swedish black metal band that was actually uh, barred from performing mm-hmm. uh, uh, over the weekend. And this caused quite, quite a stir among the netizens as well as uh, people on the ground about right. what, what they view about um, whether um, we are really whether that control was really too much or really was that a necessary step of actually um, uh, barring this group as yeah. well. So maybe we can just jump in to, to actually elaborate more about what the situation is. Yeah, so yeah. so these are the facts. First of all, uh, the band called Watain mm. uh, was given the approval to perform in Singapore mm. by the IMDA, uh, the black metal. Basically, there was a concert organizer who really loved uh, black metal and has been organizing black metal music in Singapore. Um, if if you don't know, do you know what black metal music is? Kinda. kinda okay, so yeah. there's this whole genre of music <clears throat> called heavy metal, mm. and within heavy metal, there's a subgenre called black metal, which focuses on dark themes like death and pain. Um, a lot. I mean, there's a whole philosophy 
around why such music is unique and 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 special and and I encourage people to actually go and read about about it instead of like just taking sure. assumptions but what happened was that this band in particular was has a historical uh precedent of basically saying stuff that are anti-christian okay uh, essentially very uh, actively and very explicitly calling out uh christians and saying you know stuff like no death to christians and like and 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 certain violent acts as well yeah yeah, yeah. so Definitely. so there there has been precedent what happened was imba said this band is allowed to play as long as it doesn't play any of the songs and doesn't do anything that basically contravenes a, a, any of our religious harmony right norms. right right but what happened was that uh, when the community the religious community in singapore found out they basically rose up they formed a petition and they got around 15000 signatures actually okay. um saying look regardless of what the regulations are this mm-hmm. band has been known for breaking those rules anyway right they'll come they'll perform and they will they will play the songs anyway because okay who's actually going to stop them once they start playing it right mm-hmm. um so they they signed a petition they sent it up to uh, uh, these are the uh these are the, the essentially the sentiments of uh what people think they might do yes. in Singapore right yes. okay so, not not that they have done it or no, in Singapore absolutely this was basically prospectively questioning this and then what happened was uh they sent it to the ministry of home affairs ministry of home affairs did a review of the petition uh but even independent of that they went to look uh, according to minister chamogam uh they went to look at the actual history of the band and they made a in their in their words uh, uh, an independent decision to basically uh cancel the concert right right so so that there i mean there was a lot of things that mm. came out of the result of that basically the question of you know how much influence should religion have on people who are practicing their own uh hobbies or interests you know there was a question of how much influence should should people have especially with such things are ticketed right it's mm-hmm. age restricted it's ticketed it's rated mm-hmm. right so if you really if you want to go watch this concert and you want to be exposed to it you're going to have to explicitly make the choice of course right? of course so so it, <clears throat> it brings front and center mm-hmm. all these conversations of sure. religious harmony. i mean just to just to give uh, uh, i mean everyone who's watching today about what exactly was uh, reported in the news right on on the night of march of 2019 this is like two days ago from where we are today yep. right is uh, i'll just read off a verbatim from an excerpt right home affairs minister k shamugam said on saturday march 9 that he couldn't see how black metal band watain could have been allowed to perform in singapore due to the band's anti-christian song lyrics mm-hmm. and to quote him is i saw the lyrics it's four letter words on jesus christ on christianity on religion abusing the cross everything everything that is so far out i can't see how we could have agreed to it said mr shamugam Uh, the Swedish black metal band was scheduled to perform in Singapore on Thursday evening, but the concert was cancelled that same afternoon by the IMDA or Infocom Media Development Authority. Oh, uh, following security concerns raised by the Ministry of Home Affairs. Right. Yeah, and I think I, I think such things about uh, cancelling or barring is not uh it's not something that is uh, uncommon actually in singapore i would and, say it's a very singaporean thing yeah <laughs> and, and we ban everything <laughs> yeah uh, i mean just just to just to interject uh just to i mean uh for for everyone who is viewing today if you have a view about what um the, uh, for example imda or you have a personal view and opinion about how this could be handled 
or about what you think the situation should be, please leave a comment in the, in the comment section uh, under this video. And of course, we would love to hear from you and really discuss about this topic in depth as well. Yeah. But just, just to carry on, I think maybe let's also go back in time a little bit and see what other situations actually happened in the past. Right. That we're right. talking about when we have something that's uh, religious and something that um, possibly the MHA actually acts upon as well. Right. To, to essentially either bow or cancel certain things as well. Right. So let's go back in 8th of September, 2017, right? Uh, <clears throat> of course, I'll, I'll just read verbatim for our news thing as well. Uh, laws enacted to maintain religious harmony will be tightened next year, including those forbid, forbidding religious leaders from promoting hatred and ill will among different faith groups or furthering political causes. Home Affairs Minister K. Shambhugam said on Friday, September 8, 2017. He also revealed that the government had most recently barred two Christian preachers from entering the country because they had made inflammatory remarks of other religions that they were very Islamophobic in their statements outside of Singapore. Uh, one preacher had described Allah as a false god and referred to Buddhists as uh, tohu? tohu people, a Hebrew word for lost, lifeless, confused, and spiritually barren individuals. The other described Islam as many other things, an incredibly confused religion that is interested in world domination. Well, that's pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. And I think, of course, uh, I, I think that's another religion where, where, where they actually barred Christian preachers from coming because of their religious belief that, is, that they're very active and very open about as well. Right. And even, I mean, in uh, even we go back down one more year, which is 26th I mean, September 2016. This, this one was a pretty notorious one, Amos Yi, yeah. uh, a very common name. Uh, and essentially what happened was that 15 months after he was given a prison sentence mm -hmm. um, for intending to wound religious feelings, Amos Yi went on uh, <clears throat> and he was given another jail term because... He failed to turn up at a police station and he continued uh, to, to, to stand against, stand by his decision to wound the feelings of Muslims and Christians. Right, um, right. So, so we are not unfamiliar to cases in Singapore where people have taken explicit effort to, you know, demean or insult other religions. I, I think the question has always been a tension between freedom of speech, mm -hmm. right? I should be allowed to say whatever I want to say. Right. Um, and maintaining harmony within right. countries as well. Right. I think this is definitely something that is uh, it's quite unique to Singapore as well mm -hmm. uh, because of our multicultural, multi-ethnicity uh, multi and multi-religious kind of a community. I would say slightly more than that because mm -hmm. you can look at places like the US as well where they are honestly multiracial and multicultural mm -hmm. uh, i in, in again to some degree you could even say they are more multicultural because of pure num number of cultures that there mm -hmm. are there i think the key thing is density right, right? we are right. so close to each other yeah uh, and we are so interconnected <coughs> that we're so interdependent mm -hmm. that the affordance for tension and 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 in hatred between cultures the risk is so much higher of course. Yeah. Definitely. So I think that is what is unique. <laughs> right, uh, right. In a very small area, we have so many different cultures interacting and you just can't help but rub shoulders with individuals as well. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I, okay. And, and I think that's why um, I think the government actually, uh, I mean, this is such a such an interesting uh, act that was actually uh, enacted mm -hmm. just to, uh, just. I think it's quite unique in Singapore and there is no outright kind of an act in 
uh, at least from the other different con- uh, countries I actually look at. There, there are yeah. no acts that explicitly call out maintenance of religious harmony, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. But there are acts that prevent uh, or put a curb to free speech to the extent that it causes harm. Mm-hmm. So there is a definition of what is harm, uh, and and there is a curb to free speech. But free speech is the primary. Uh, agenda still. Mm-hmm. So free speech first and then mm-hmm. a curb to harm. Whereas in Singapore, mm-hmm. we tend to say, like, let's talk about maintenance of religious harmony as an agenda. Right. Let's put this out there as something that we want. To yeah. Do. So, I mean, because all of these incidents revolve around the, uh, the Religious Harmony Act, mm-hmm. I think it would be good to actually f- understand what this Religious Harmony Bill or Act was actually uh, uh, created and what were the reasons and purpose of what this act is supposed to do. Right. So maybe today, what we're going to cover for you is we're just going to give you an understanding about how MRHA was uh, was enacted, its purpose, its history, uh, of course, some uh, the vulnerabilities of single against uh, and its religious climate, as well as the potential abuses mm-hmm. that people have cited uh, when it, when the MRHA was actually uh, uh, first enacted as well. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe uh, I think maybe let's just jump in to what MRHA exactly is. So let's just begin. So the Maintenance of Religious Harmony Bill was passed by Parliament in November 1990 with the aim of maintaining religious harmony and ensuring that religion is not exploited for any political or subversive purposes in Singapore. So really, there's quite a position which is not for the exploitation of political or subservice purposes in Singapore. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very subversive subversive purposes, right? So the Act also provides for the establishment of the Presidential Council for Religious Harmony. Later, we will touch on about that, how this entire thing called the Presidential Council is, is used. Yeah, this, again, this is all mm. very Singaporean, right? We right. have a Presidential Council for this and a, mm. and, a, and a maintenance of Religious Harmony Bill for that. Mm. Um, these are not unfamiliar terms to a lot of us. Mm. Um, but the Presidential Council for Religious Harmony is actually alongside the Presidential Council for Minority Rights. That's right. Right. That's so, right. so like, that's what I was saying. Though. Another whole topic by itself. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there, the, the Council for Religious Harmony comprises a chairman and between six and 15, so between six to 15, right. other members appointed by the president. Uh, and these, the Council of Religious Harmony is appointed on the advice of the Council of minority rights. Right, right. Uh, so many councils, many appointments. Of course, of course. Um, <clears throat> very Singapore. And, and this presidential council is actually is supposed to also find out whether the findings from parliament actually is uh, correct as well. Right. And, and to see whether it's, it, it feels like a check and balance kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, this council by the president is actually fielded by two-thirds, uh, two-thirds of the council actually uh, fielded by uh, representatives of major religions in Singapore. Yeah. Not stated what is a major religion in Singapore, but essentially two-thirds of them is actually chaired by, or rather represented uh, by religious organizations or religious chairs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I would, just a gander, but I would define major religion as any religion that has... A significant number of followers in Singapore. Or, or rather a percentage, like significant percentage. Of course, of course. Right? Um, which is something else I, I, I thought mm. was interesting. If, if you do check out the proportion of religions in Singapore, mm-hmm. uh, it's actually, the split is actually very interesting mm. because yes, the largest is the Buddhist and Taoist yeah. population, but, mm-hmm. but you know, the Muslim Christian population is actually 
not too far apart mm. and the non-religious population is also quite equivalent mm. right so uh, i think we we tend to forget that the non-religious part of singapore is actually almost the same proportion as the christian population right. in singapore right. so it's a very important uh, comparison i think it's important because we tend to assume that it's a small minority of people who are non-religious in singapore but it's actually i would consider a significant part of our population definitely definitely yeah. So essentially, I mean, this act has has two components, right? One is the parliament that we'll be talking about, uh, or rather the ministries that we're talking about, what is an act that has been um, violated, for example. And then, of course, under the precedent to verify that uh, this act was truly violated. And then, of course, being counseled by quite a number of members uh, right. to act upon as well. So <clears throat> so the, this particular council, right, has two main functions. Firstly, and more generally, it's an advisory body to the Minister of Home Affairs mm-hmm. on matters relating to maintenance of religious harmony in Singapore. Yep. Okay, so they actually, from time to time, actually advise. And secondly, more specifically, advises the minister as to whether restraining orders should be issued, mm-hmm. confirmed, very or cancelled, and the president as to whether such orders should be confirmed or cancelled. So they're actually advising both the minister as well as the president. The president. Yeah. So uh, definitely not uh, definitely not something that is done by an individual, but actually counsel over a group of people. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, what's happening is that they are monitoring any kind of religious disharmony mm-hmm. and being able to, to be moral arbitrators, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very interesting thing <clears throat> to, to, to have responsibility over because you're not just uh, advising on, you know, whether something is, is is harmful or not, but also whether it is morally in the best interest of society, mm. right? Which is, you know, so ambiguous. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, and, and, and to continue, I mean, now we know what roughly, what, what this, how it formed, when yep. is it formed? I mean, uh, but what really was, um, uh, why, why, why formed this MRHA in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe let's just go back about the, the issues that actually, created the MRHA. Yep. So, uh, I mean, just to give you an idea as well, the situation for the MRHA is in, um, in February 20, uh, 2007, the then Deputy Prime Minister of Home Affairs, uh, Wong Kan Singh, informed Parliament that no restraining orders have been issued since the act came into effect. But in, of course, uh, back in May 21, the Minister of Home Affairs disclosed that the government was prepared to go against a number of religious leaders who, has, uh, who had mixed religion with politics or de- uh, denigrated other phase during incidents occurring in the 1990s. Wow. <clears throat> and of course, these particular leaders, uh, uh, they were not arrested. They actually seized their actions after warnings from the police and the ISD, or ISD, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, one, in- uh, one incident involved a Muslim religious leader who had urged Muslims to vote for Muslim candidates with deep religious uh, uh, beliefs at the ni- 1991 general election. He was given a warning in 1992. In the same year, a Christian pastor was cautioned for using church publications and sermons to criticize Buddhism, Taoism, and Roman Catholicism. In 1995, another Muslim religious leader was warned for having called a Hindu belief that uh, uh, the statues of Ganesha could drink milk offerings, the work of Satan. Right. I mean, all of these sound horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I totally get why the MRHA... Uh, has a role in Singapore, mm. right? Because what if you were to assume, if you were to assume a benevolent society where yes. everyone was able to accept other people's criticisms, um, 
then then you know that is is something that would be ideal somewhat mm-hmm. but you know people get hurt and people do take a lot of things personally because it is <clears throat> core to their identity mm-hmm. religion is such a core part of someone's sense of self someone's world view and to criticize that is basically saying i think that your sense of self mm-hmm. is uh is wrong right and that's a very very difficult and and harmful thing to do and it's mm-hmm. tied to other topics that we've had about 377a and all this kind of stuff but i mean it's important to to note that trend of a sense of self right what mm-hmm. it means to be a citizen and what it means to respect other people's ability to define their sense of self right, in this right. country right so so the so, mrha actually has that, yeah. that important role and and i think let's let's talk about how the mrha was birthed in the first place i mean actually the just to give an understanding the mrha was first tabled as a white paper in 26th of december 1989 okay so the day after christmas yeah the day after christmas <laughs> Right. So 1989, the white paper on the maintenance of religious harmony was presented to parliament. The white paper set up proposals for legislation to maintain religious harmony and to establish a presidential council of religious harmony. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. Right. And this white paper detailed the religious trends in Singapore at the point in time in the 80s, the need for legislation to maintain religious harmony and the main features of the proposed legislation. And uh, I think annexed to that particular white paper was that there was a report by the ISD, the Internal Security Department, in which uh, compact instances of the problems discussed in the white paper, there were actually problems yep. or religious tensions, I think we'll cover, which which is called inter-religious tensions as well as intra-related uh, mm-hmm. religious tensions as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this happened in the 1980s where if you really transport yourself way back mm-hmm. uh, in time, mm-hmm. um, this is where a lot of the social and political conditions allowed people to be quite uh, blatant without regard for other cultures, right? So mm. they reported that there had been an increase in religious fervor, fervor. assertiveness amongst religious groups. Um, and, and and this was part of, in their opinion, the ISD's opinion, part of a worldwide religious revival. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't just something that was happening uh, in Singapore, but you know, globally, people were getting more religious and this, as you mentioned, caused interreligious tensions and also intra-religious tensions because as fervor increases, then people mm-hmm. start taking positions on things, right? And there were also key incidents that had taken place that uh, suggested that religious groups and leaders were entering yeah. politics. So, I mean, for, for everyone who is viewing it today, I think, what was the difference between the inter-religious and intra-religious? Right. So, inter-religious is between different religions. Yeah, right? so the Christianity yeah. versus Islam versus That's Buddhism. Right. And intra-religion could be for example different sects yeah right and different uh, uh groups or denominations yeah. within the same religion yep uh, they may have disagreements and therefore have intra-related yep. tensions as well an example is within between christianity there are different uh denominations, denominations. right so you have even catholicism versus uh Prote- protestant beliefs and, 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 and even hinduism there are different sects as well sure. so for example uh uh, for example, that their views of different gods as well. Sure. So these are these are essentially the two kinds of uh, predominant tensions that were happening in society. Yep. Right, and that were actually affecting. And the third, of course, was that uh, religion was slowly entering into the realm of politics as right. well, and they were giving their religious views on how politics should be run. Mm-hmm. And I think, of course, this 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 growing tension was what led to the uh, I mean uh, table for the MRHA to happen. So on 15th of January 1990, the Maintenance of Religious Harmony Bill was tabled in Parliament and committed to a select committee of Parliament on 23rd of February 1990. 
uh, and so they, they, what, they, what they did was they opened up to different people, to the public to actually give their views. And finally, the, act, uh, the, the entire thing became an act on uh, 31st of March, 1992. Yep. So that's, that's essentially the history. It was over from, uh, began in 1989 and finally became an act in 1992. So yep. over, over the course of three years. Yeah. So it's yeah. actually been 27 years, uh, yeah. nearly 27 years at the end of this month yeah. uh, since, since this bill was passed. Right. Uh, so, I mean, just, just to carry on, of course, what exactly is the, uh, uh, I think the situations that we talk about ISD, right? Yeah. So just to give an idea of the, some, some of the situations that ISD were proposing prior to the bill uh, uh, was, for example, uh, the increased amount of uh, religious tensions. Yeah. Uh, I think we will, we will cover that later as well. Yeah. What exactly were those key areas that, uh, that caused this uh, discussion and finally this act and bill as well. Right. We'll talk later. But really, at the end of the day, what exactly is the purpose of this MRH and what what is it what is it trying to do? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think I so I think actually in Singapore right now what we're seeing with for example with Watain and all this kind of stuff is an expressive need to 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 prevent harm to different religions. Right. 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 Uh, but actually, the MRHA is not just uh, always in favor of 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 um, like. I think the common criticism I've heard is that Singaporean politics recently has been too biased towards religious uh, preferences. Mm. But actually, the MRHA, uh, in some ways, is very unique in saying that hey, we're actually going to curb. The powers of religious uh, influences in politics. Right. So there is a bill that actually explicitly calls it out. Right. So what the what the white paper said was that Singapore is not immune to the rise of religious fervor. Okay. Uh, in fact, Singapore needs to be more assertive, uh, and 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 because because religious groups are, are themselves becoming more assertive and are competing intensely for followers, mm. right? And this is, again, thinking back to 1980s, 1990s, yeah. Yeah. when this happened. Mm. Um, so a white paper identified two conditions necessary for harmony in Singapore. Okay. Uh, the first is that religious followers must exercise moderation and tolerance. I see. Moderation and tolerance right. with, amongst all religions, right? Right. Mm. To avoid anything, doing anything that would cause enmity or misunderstanding. So it's important here to understand the goal, right? The goal wasn't to necessarily build um, a multiracial, multi-religious society in the sense that we like to think of an accepting uh, everyone loves everyone kind of society. In mm -hmm. fact, it's quite the opposite. The goal was to prevent harm, mm. right? And to prevent enmity and misunderstanding. So tolerance, right? Yeah. Mm. So, so the goal is actually much more targeted. It, mm -hmm. it, I think a lot of people talk about acceptance. A lot of people talk about, about integration. And I love all of that as a personal individual being. Right. But the law doesn't talk about that. Right. The right. law is about preventing harm and enmity. Mm. Right? Mm. And the second goal of religious harm of this, of this act was to separate religion and politics. Mm. Um, and the justification was if one religious group became involved in politics, other religious groups could follow uh, to protect their own interests. And so everyone now to politicize the religion to advocate for mm. policies so mm. you have to separate it you could advocate um for policies that favored uh or rather you could advocate for your influence to be heard mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that 
the decision to be made on that basis. Right. It is a it is an acknowledgement of the impact, but but it is not to to take it as your basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So I I I think this is this is quite crucial. I mean, this is where the, the many countries and I think uh, uh, within Southeast Asia, right, that that actually uh, may consider politics and religions to be very close knit, right? Right. Yeah, and not necessarily uh, two very separate components. Yeah. Where Singapore's position was that. The, the need for separating both religion and politics away from each other. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's also something that's quite unique uh, within Singapore. I think the other country I can really think of at the back of my head that, that really endorses this to the core would be China. China really uh, considers themselves an atheist Oh, party, if right? you want to talk about yeah. countries that are completely separated, you have to talk about France. Oh, okay. Right? France has this uh, uh, whole legal frame um, I'm not pronouncing it right, and, it, and if you do know how to pronounce it right, please correct mm-hmm. me. It's uh, Lachit, which mm-hmm. is or Lachit, which is basically the complete separation, meaning that you are not even allowed to talk about religion <coughs> in politics, mm-hmm. uh, and and that is why it's very famous about the burqa ban and all of this kind of stuff. Right. It is really because it is it is taken to the very very uh, uh, literal. Uh, separation of, of politics and religion. Right. So, right. so if you want to look at a, at a very core example, I would say France is definitely one. I see. Yeah. I see. But anyway, what kind of powers do you think the MRHA can do? Yeah. I mean, we recently saw some things like it could bar a ban from playing. It could actually uh, bar certain religious leaders from entering the country as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and but let's let's take a look. What exactly are the true powers of the MRHA? What would actually it can do. Yep. So I think just to give you an example, uh, the MRHA actually empowers the Minister for Home Affairs to make a restraining order against a person who is in a position of authority in any religious group or institution if the Minister is satisfied that the person has committed or is attempting to commit any of the following acts, causing feelings of enmity, hatred, ill will or hostility between different religious groups, or promoting a political cause, carrying out subversive activities or exciting disaffection against the president or the government under the guise of propagating or practicing a religious belief. Right. Well, that's a mouthful, but yep. essentially it is, it's, it have the power to restrain uh, individuals. Yeah. Should there be a breach essentially, right. Against all these different conditions. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and, and of course a restraining order may also be made against a person who incites, instigates, or encourages any religious leader or any religious group or institution to commit the above acts. Right. So even if you are even if you're a person trying to influence an individual to do so, you can be arrested. You can be restrained yep. as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean I think it's important to to observe in this that essentially the key thing is about enmity, hatred, ill will, or hostility. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are the four operative words that have been used. Mm-hmm. I think when it talks about enmity or or, or hostility, uh, you can you can more or less measure, right? You can right. see what the impact is. I think stuff like ill will and hatred, those are slightly more ambiguous right. in my opinion. And and I think from what I've observed that the government only acts on those that seem very explicit. <laughs> right, right. Right. So, right. So, so there's definitely that gray area as well, because what does it mean to critique, uh, you know, a religious organization, for example, I'll give a key example. Uh, 
when a church is accused of impropriety, mm. right? Which is a very legitimate claim to be able to make about an organization. Hey, okay. I am observing what you are doing and I think what you're doing is uh, improper. You know, is that gonna, co- is that gonna cause uh, hatred or ill will against the church, mm-hmm. right? What is that gray area? I think for the most part, We've erred, we've erred on the side of extremism, meaning, you know, if you explicitly say Christianity is ta 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 or Islam is ta ta ta, that is where uh, the government steps in. But I can definitely see those gray areas being uh, like places where people you know, feel ambiguous. You know, to my recollection, I think a gray area that was quite big in the point of time, I, at least I thought was quite uh, a big, was the point of time when uh, the, the government was discussing about. Um, including integrated resorts, right, right, and um, allowing casinos to be legal within uh, within Singapore as well. Mm-hmm. I think, at least from my capacity, I I knew that certain religion uh, religion organizations were actually against the idea of having, uh, uh, for example, gambling uh, casinos mm-hmm. or facility gambling, uh, ca- casinos within this, and they were they were also quite uh, outspoken about this area. So, do you think that is actually? something that borders on political agenda as well within a religious organization? Mm. Meaning they're, they're using their religious cause to, to speak up against the government? Or... Exactly. On, for example, allowing uh, casinos to be created or integrated resorts to be created right. within, uh, uh, within Singapore mainland, right? right? I mean, if you look at the letter of the law, right? Mm-hmm. It says, carrying out subversive activities or exciting dissatisfaction against the government under the guise of practicing a religious belief. So it is, wow, <laughs> that is a lot of tricky words. It's pretty right? loaded, right? right. Yeah. What does it mean to be under the guise? Yeah. Right? Does so it if, mean... you, if you disagree with, for example, um, if you disagree with gambling, I mean, religious beliefs, believes that you know, gambling is something that you shouldn't don't want sure. to do, would that be counter, for example, to the government uh, narrative of, for example, economic narrative as well? Right. Yeah. So I, I guess these... Uh, and, and I'm very happy that you brought it up because these are one of the concerns that later we'll cover about how the MRHA will actually had certain ambiguities that were a large concern to a lot of uh, a lot of people within the public. Right. But what, um, were, the, what were the true powers uh, uh, that the MRHA actually has? But before we go into that as well, what maybe we can better define what exactly is a prohibited act? Sure. Right. Okay. So essentially, let, let's, let's just cover, right? There are actually, I think, one, two, three, four areas. Uh, a prohibited act, act is actually anything that causes feelings of enmity, hatred, ill will, or hostility between different religious groups. We just talked about that. Carrying out activities to promote a political cause or cause of any political party while or under the guise of propagating or practicing any religious belief. Right. Carrying out subversive activities under the guise of propagating practice or religious belief. And the last one is exciting disaffection. I think we talked about this uh, against the president and the government. We talked yeah. about this already. It, it, and it actually it clearly defined in Section 8 mm. of this act that it can take a restraining order against a priest, mm. monk, pastor, imam, elder, office bearer, or any other position who is in a any other person who is in a position of authority in a religious group. So it actually names the specific roles, mm. which is very, very bold. Mm. in my opinion mm. uh and 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 yeah so and as you mentioned under under section 9 of the act the minister may also make any order against any other persons that the minister is satisfied that the person is inciting mm. uh, or encouraging any religious group uh to commit some of these acts or mm. if the person who is not one of the persons mentioned above uh is attempting to cause so basically uh, the key thing is regardless of who you are 
mm. whether you are a, a religious leader a non-religious leader or just a random person who could be you know un, un, untitled and unnamed as mm. long as you create those effects you are liable for action. Of course. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think I think therein lies that we talked about this ambiguity of what exactly are these things like, for example, ill, uh, ill intention. Yep. Or, uh, for example, we talk about enmity or hatred um, uh, causing feelings of hatred. Right. Uh, I, I think th- these are the areas that, that really is, I, I think, kind of um, difficult to ascertain specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes also... Uh, creates some kind of a controversy as well yep. regarding the interpretation of that particular act or, or law. Yeah, but let's talk about the nature and effects of the restraining order and um, uh, what, what actually it does in the first place. So, to uh, the restraining order, what what it, what it has power is essentially to restrain anyone uh, that falls within this criteria from addressing orally or writing any congregation, parish, or group of worshippers or members of any religious group or institution. On, on any subject, topic, or theme as may be specified in the order without prior permission of the minister, which means that if it talks about the fact that they are, uh, you're addressing something very political or something of an opinion about another religion, uh, you are, you can be restrained in that area. Yep. Uh, you can also be restrained from printing, publishing, editing, distributing, or in any way assisting or contributing to any publication produced by any religious group without the prior permission of the minister. Yep. You can also be restrained from holding office in an editorial board or a committee of a publication or any religious group without the prior permission of the minister. So essentially it is a communication, you get a restraint on communication related uh, devices or mediums mm-hmm. Yeah, from the restraint. Yeah. So it, it, I, I think it's essentially it's just to prevent people from continuing uh, the, uh, the discussion or uh, to, to prevent them from speaking thereof yeah. or something that may create those feelings of animosity, hurt, right. or intention. And if you breach those restraining orders, yeah. you can be liable for criminal sanctions. Wow, okay. So it could result in prosecution uh, with, uh, with if convicted, a fine, maximum fine of $10,000 or imprisonment for up to two years wow. or both, right? And and you can you can be liable for subsequent offenses, including, you know, an upward penalty of 20000 and imprisonment of up to three years or, or both. So, so essentially, this act actually has the ability to imprison somebody as well if convicted. Yeah. And you, of course, you are stepped up a fine at the same time. And you, if you flagrantly uh, uh, commit it again, you will be stepped with twice the amount, 20000 mm-hmm. and even almost two times the, the penalty of, of going to jail as well as three to, what does it say, two to three years? Yep. Yeah, sorry, three, yeah, two to three years again. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, so I have two questions and thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is basically, and, and you know, I want to hear your views, but I okay. also want to hear if the audience has a view, please, please let us know your, mm. your, your thoughts. But so the first question I have, okay. right, is what happens when um, the religion in question or the religious group in question uh, tries to advocate um, within politics for causes that are endemic to, to what it is. For example, as you mentioned, gambling. Okay. I think um, the question of LGBT rights. Right. Right. If they were to advocate and to, to campaign, right? I mean, you could see the the white, what is it called? The white shirt movement. Right. Um, those are, in some sense, I would call a political act. Mm. Right. And they are using uh, their religious beliefs to, to, to basically 
enact a political motion, in my opinion. Right, right. What is the, what is the interpretation or what is the treatment of that? Uh, and my second question is basically in all of this, what about how do we carve out the space for people who don't have a religion, okay. right? Because if the if there's an act to protect uh, the 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 interests of religious groups, basically saying your feelings can't be hurt, uh, your your or rather not your feelings, but your your the basis of religion can't be hurt. What is what is the way that we can ensure that? people who are non-religious are also able to maintain their space. Meaning if they were to so choose to have a space where they, again, gambling is one example that is morally ambiguous. Um, How do you, how do you, how do you give them that, that space? Right. 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 And I mean, I'm not, I'm not expecting an answer from you, (laughs) Willie, but, but, but I think those are questions that come out from this. Of course. Right. Uh, And I think those are important questions that, that we tend to take for granted that mm. that, that this act is the is the is a solution for everything when it's and right. as much as this is trying to curb the uh, I mean to to make sure that religious harmony is being maintained, but there's also other other parallel kinds of acts as well. For example, the uh, the freedom of religion act as well, right? To ensure that uh, people can profess their faith, people can also uh, uh, believe in anything that they want to, and also to ensure that they. Uh, they can uh, discuss about their their faith, their faith as well, and I, and I, I think sometimes there also there also is contention as to whether the MRHA actually goes counterintuitive or directly contradicts the freedom of religion mm-hmm. act as well, which also is discussed as well. Yeah, what yeah. does it mean to be free to practice your religion, right? Precisely, if you have a curb on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, I... so I mean, to answer your question of. Uh, if, 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 for example, you believe that there is no God, or if and if you have no religion, as you as you were to say, uh, would that would that in that capacity be the freedom to believe in what you want to, mm-hmm. to believe? It, it, and and I think I think I, I think these can sometimes be muddled with uh, possibly with the definitions of words, yeah. or rather how the words seem to suggest as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think these are, these are really as as we go along, these are things that definitely. Sometimes that level of grayness is also um, probably, in my opinion, a reflective of the state of society as well. Uh, that the ambiguity that sometimes cannot be answered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mm. am completely open and, and sympathetic to the need for ambiguity in the rule mm. of law, right? Mm-hmm. The jurisprudence basically talks about the need for gray areas so that mm. society can define uh, on a case-by-case basis sometimes what the specific interpretation ought to be, right? Uh, but but I, I'm very, very uncertain about whether these laws can be actually useful for mm-hmm. very important issues, mm. right? And then I've already highlighted these issues, but, you know, I think those are just questions you to keep thinking about as, as individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Now we talked about earlier, we talked about uh, interreligious tensions, right? Maybe let's just cite an example of why this MRH was actually created in the first place, yeah. right? So let's talk about interreligious tensions, which is the tension between religions, right? Yeah. That actually led to the creation of this. So interreligious tensions were largely attributed to aggressive and insensitive uh, proselytization by religious groups, mostly Protestant churches and organizations. So the Christians actually run afoul, right? Mm-hmm. Example cited in the ISD report annexed to the white paper, which is about in the 1989, 
included tensions in August 1986 when Hindus found posters publicizing a Christian seminar pasted at the entrance to their temple. Mm-hmm. And when Christians missionaries distributed pamphlets to devotees going into temples along Sarangum Road. Yep. So very, very uh, intrusive into uh, the Hindu temples as well, right? Uh, there was also two disputes in July 1988 and January 1989 involving the funerals of non-Muslims who had converted to Islam. Yep. The non-Muslim families had wanted to cremate the bodies according to their respective non-Muslim religious rites, but a Muslim organization applied for court orders to claim the bodies and bury them according to Islamic rites. Mm-hmm. Uh, both these disputes were eventually settled out of court. Yep. So this was another point of uh, inter-religious tensions as well. And I think uh, I, I think this is what led to this rise. Now let's, let's talk about intra-religious tension, right? And hostilities between subgroups and under the same religious umbrella also became apparent in the 1980s. In October 1989, for instance, a Hindu sect called the Shiv Madhur. Am I correct? Am I, am I pronouncing this correct? Mandur? Okay. You know, you're as good as me. Probably. <laughs> okay, so they burned an effigy of uh, Ravana, a Hindu mythological king, uh, during a religious festival. This caused outrage among Tamil Hindus uh, who wanted to retaliate by staging a protest demonstration and threatened to retaliate by burning the effigy of Lord Ramachandra. Uh, intra-religious tensions among Christian groups surfaced after the distribution of pamphlets and booklets uh, denigrating the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope by some Protestants. So, you see, we have uh, within the Hindu, uh, we have also Protestants versus the Roman Catholics as well. Yep. Uh, essentially, intra-religious tensions were actually brewing. Mm-hmm. And this law was actually... Uh, built to try to curb that as well. And the last one we talked about, which which is religions creeping into politics. So the mixing of religion and politics. So according to the same ISD report, the mid-1980s saw Catholic, Catholic priests engaging in social activism and using Catholic religions, uh, religious gatherings and publications as platforms to comment on political issues. Mm-hmm. Following the arrest of Vincent Cheng and others associated with him and the detention under the ISD, or oh, sorry, ISA, Inter- Internal Security Act, Several priests spoke out against the rest at masses, describing it as an injustice and an attack on the church. Uh, and another one, which is several former Muslim theologians, such as Imaduddin Abdul Rahim, uh, Ahmed Hussein Didat, and Mat Samad bin Muhammad, were banned from entering Singapore after they delivered lectures or speeches inciting the Muslim community in Singapore against the government. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have tensions there are cases there are true cases between religious groups cases within religious groups and cases where religion took an active role in trying to uh to speak up against yep. uh, pol- on political matters as well yeah and that of course led to the rise of the or rather that to the enactment of the mrha yep. quite quite a if you ask me that sounds kind of scary i mean in the 80s as well yeah i mean you could totally imagine the because the eighties were mm. were what the first fifteen twenty years since mm-hmm. independence uh I mean the country was just starting to get developed but but having stuff like this uh threaten uh the stability of singapore that that is a very scary prospect because mm. you know stability has been one of our key assets mm. and key key capabilities as well um and you don't even need these cases to to, to justify the MRHA's uh, intent. 
right? Uh, uh, again, I think the methodology is up for critique, but but the intent, you know, today you can still see the need for 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 an appreciation of of, of those concerns because with 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 cases um, happening. I mean, I think just last year or two years ago, there was there was a imam who was also critiqued yes. uh, and, and censured for for making such speeches in the in the in the mosque. But um, he did apologize at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it 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 demonstrates the need for such active uh, moderation, and and, and, and and I guess this this really brings about the question of trying to maintain civil stability, mm -hmm. civil order versus the freedom to express your religious uh, uh, expressions as well. Yeah, and I think I think sometimes this actually goes counterintuitive as well, and and definitely there will be tensions within uh, these. Uh, these two things essentially yeah and i and i think a uh, very difficult to maintain that uh very difficult to maintain the harmony if, if there's no law to actually state or to say that uh there are repercussions for doing so as well mm -hmm. yeah but really i i think at the end of the day we, we talk about the powers of mrha the purposes the history but actually there's also a discussion of the potential kinds of abusers Right, that the MRHA or the NECMA, the MRHA could actually happen. So these are critiques right. that people have brought up as a way of, of calling attention gaps or maybe uh, blind spots in the exactly. MRHA. Yeah. Uh, so one is the lack of checks on a minister's power to issue a restraining order. So, um, you know, it's difficult to distinguish between religious and political matters, especially where moral and social issues are involved. And I think we talked about earlier, for example, uh, the integrated resorts, for example, and associated with gambling, mm -hmm. uh, it, is that is that a political matter or is it a moral and social issue? Yep. You you also cited about uh, the rights of LGBTs as well within yep. society. Yep. Is there really a moral and social issue, or is this really a political matter? Yep. I yep. mean, these are these are tied to again sense of self, people's worldviews. Mm. Uh, certain religions have comprehensive worldviews mm. uh, about these things and. And because because of the sensitivity is, is the reason for why a lot of these proceedings and discussions that happen in private mm -hmm. uh, without disclosure, then the, if, if certain issues are very sensitive, we actually will never know uh, the, co the complete discussion that happened. Right? Yeah, How did people course. negotiate some of these things? Mm. Um, and, and that allows for, for, if not, again, I don't think people necessarily accusing of any actual impropriety mm. but the perception is right there, right and right. i think the perception is dangerous by itself yeah another commenter actually asked expressed the view that certain features of the mrha right remove any transparency over the council's proceeding making it impossible to discover if if it has been performed if it performing its duties satisfactorily and holding those accountable for any lack of conscientiousness yep so because of that secrecy on the findings and it's not reported publicly yep. uh how do we know that they're actually report uh, how do we know that they're actually uh, being effective yeah correct i and mean mm. i mean just to just to think about it right the whole point of democracy and and, and uh, an elected uh government in in singapore it actually kind of stops once you elect your minister <laughs> and your president, right? Mm -hmm. After that, everything else is by appointment. Everything else is through delegated authority. Mm -hmm. So so this whole idea of checks and balance in Singapore is kind of on a different level, I mm -hmm. feel. 
I think in certain places we're very used to the idea of open democracy where everyone is able to hold everyone accountable. In Singapore, because of the sensitivities, because mm. of all of this stuff, I think what's happened is that, especially for issues around religious harmony, those are said, we're going to keep it private. We don't mm. want the, to incite violence through discussing violence, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, so I, I can understand it. Um, mm. And I could totally see why it's important to, to prevent misinterpretation. But because such actions, again, have an impact on people's ability to define sense of self, to understand what it means to navigate moral and social issues in Singapore. Yep. I, I do wonder if it is the best approach. Right. Yeah. Right. And of course, there's another area where I think it was a point of contention was mm-hmm. the fact that we, we talked earlier, which is uh, that the definitions, for example, of uh, the phrases in question, for example, feelings like enmity, hatred, ill will, or hostility, right? Uh, they were drafted in a very subjective manner. Mm-hmm. And suggesting that if any person felt offended, this will be sufficient ground upon which a restraining order might be issued to them. Yep. So, uh, uh, and I suppose it was suggested that this clause should be phrased to suggest that the objective view of a reasonable person will be a standard adoption. adoption. But this is still roughly kind of subjective. Like, if I feel offended, does that mean you're in the wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I suppose that the law, this law then act upon the fact of my, my feeling of being insulted against for example uh or how i feel towards you and your actions mm. and that and that grayness is something also that was also brought up as potential points of contention with the mrha yeah, yeah. but you know what just to side of you um after doing this research about the mrha one very interesting point to know is this i couldn't find a piece uh where uh, uh, where the mrha was actually enforced yeah, yeah. There was uh, I, I don't know of any uh, acts in which uh, somebody was actually fined or jailed because of the MRHA. I mean, it, people have been censured, right? They yeah. have been. They have been warned. Yeah. They stopped, or they've been prevented from entering the country. Yeah. But to be say uh, to be uh, fined with a ten thousand dollar fine, yeah. as well as to to for example uh, and 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 for example to be jailed for two years, that uh, as far as I can see. I don't believe I've seen any news regarding this. Mm-hmm. But essentially, there was actually other parallel laws that actually would, uh, uh, that has been in action and in force uh, uh, to, to actually address issues regarding religious or religious wounding the feelings of religion. Okay. Like for example, uh, let's, let's talk about the case of, um, uh, say, um, in August 2010, right? Uh, it was reported that a man had been jailed for two weeks for contravening Section 298A, which is a, the penal code, uh, Section 298A, which is not the MRHA, for injuring the religious feelings of Muslims by leaving cards on the windscreens of cars he believed belonged to Muslims which were parked in the cup of condominium. And of course, the cards bore information about the Prophet Muhammad, which was said to be uh, calculated to insult Muslims. What is Section 298A? Great that you ask, right? So I, I need to pull out the section, but essentially it is uh, anything that was uh, that would insult or actually um, uh, hurt the religious feelings of other people's, people oh, as well. Okay. Yeah. And so it's, has... it sounds similar to the MRHA. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the MRHA, I think, was more on the realms uh, between religions. Right. Uh, ah. Yeah. As well as within religions. But if we say that 
uh, how does it affect, for example, out of the perspective of religion, then it'd be a different mechanism altogether as well. Right. Section 298A is about, uh, it's, it, it is a law that prevents promoting enmity between different groups on grounds of religion or race and doing acts prejudicial to maintenance of harmony. Right. So we have actually parallel laws that actually talk about other areas of, for example, uh, maintaining harmony mm. within uh, Singapore as well. So not just the MRHA, you have the penal code that does this. That's a very weird, it's, I agree with <laughs> the use of the law for this. Right. Um, but the notion of harmony is is a very ambiguous thing to me because and, what does it mean to be harmonious? What does it mean to 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 accept exactly right? because because this is about uh, this is specifically anything that disrupts harmony mm. versus remember what the purpose of MRHA was mm. it was to prevent uh, explicitly to mm. prevent enmity or misunderstanding right. that is something you can target mm. and you can say okay you are causing enmity or misunderstanding but anything that disrupts harmony it's another area of grade, right? <laughs> no, but that is a much much wider area of grade mm. because you know what if I critique your um, what if I critique a religion's uh, way of engaging its constituents? Of course, right? I'm not criticizing uh, necessarily your 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 basis of faith, right? Uh, but I am disrupting harmony, mm-hmm. right? And again, I think it's important. To call that out, uh, I, and I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's wrong to to talk about encouraging religious harmony. In fact, quite the opposite. I think it's very important that MRJ exists. Um, but what does it mean to be harmonious? Of course, and I think um, I think of course this leaves a lot of questions as well. Yeah, which is I think a cool topic that we can talk about <laughs> really after even after the show, and then we will go for dinner. But I, I think remember we talked about Amos E, right? Amos E on 20 on September 2016. We talked about the fact that. Uh, 15 months after he was given a prison sentence for intending to wound religious feelings, right? He was again given a jail term for the same crime, right? Mm -hmm. But what he was charged, uh, and the first charge we talked about it was he was charged under the section 298 of the penal code and not under the MRHA. So it contained, uh, because uh, his statement was it contained uh, remarks against Christianity with the deliberate intention of wounding the religious feelings of Christians in general. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I think I think that's that we also have complementary or rather parallel laws that uh, that actually addresses these things about wounding. And of course, you correctly identify what exactly is harmony that we're talking about. Yeah. What is the accepted view of harmony within society, or yeah. at least in Singapore? And I think that yeah. the question becomes more relevant as politics becomes in Singapore, especially right. Once you once you achieve a certain level of economic prosperity, once you mm. achieve a certain level of sustainability um then the question of how do we live how do we Mm. act as people how do we choose our civil liberties how do we choose our freedoms how do we choose our moral positions on things those become important political conversations and they should be but then if those are um, moderated to the point where people aren't able to express their sense of self um, then you have these gaps and these and these areas where People don't really know how to navigate. Mm. So I think we are we are both on the side of preventing enmity, mm. preventing uh, hostility. So that is the boundary of where we want uh, religious harmony to to stay out of. 
Mm. But what about everything in between? What about navigating difficult moral questions? Uh, not just between religious groups, but as a society that acknowledges that there are more than 17% that are non-religious mm. who have moral positions, not because, uh, and, and I think the assumption is non-religious people don't have moral positions. In fact, they do, mm. right? They have maybe philosophical positions, the ethical positions that are taken from worldviews that are non-religious, mm-hmm. right? So I think I think it's very important to talk about all of this because the the Watain thing to me uh, was a lot less about just the black metal band mm-hmm. and a lot more about how do we decide what is right and wrong in that society. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I My takeaway from doing this research is one, understanding, uh, and, and I think that, that level of tension that I can see in every society really as i as i do this is what exact uh, the, the the competing uh competing uh, in two areas one is a civil order and civil stability which i think in essence was some level of harmony mm-hmm. versus the harmony of freedom of expression and freedom of choice freedom of of uh, uh, certain acts as well mm-hmm. and i think these are the two things that are colliding uh, within uh, the legal framework, with colliding within society as well, yep. that we it, it really causes certain grace when they overlap. And what exactly do our preferences? Do we prefer the importance of freedom of expression, or do we then say that uh, stability is something that's truly sacred? And I think this is really depending on the individual as well, and also the communities that that fall behind it. Mm. Yeah, and I think. That's really what we have for today. Yeah, we. I think we are leaving a lot of the questions to you, the listener. Uh, if you do, we do want to hear your opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always get excited by people who comment on our shows. So, so definitely send us in your messages. And, and if you do like the episode, share it. Uh, mm-hmm. Review us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform that you're listening mm-hmm. to this on. Um, and you know look forward to our next episode where we will be definitely promised to bring you more controversial or exciting topics uh, every time we are in singapore right yeah all right so guys thank you very much and uh see you guys next time good night